God's good. God is good. Hey, we are bombarded with all kinds of information. Have you noticed that? Seems like the longer we go in our lives, it just seems like more and more information is just flooding our direction. Some of that comes through vast amounts of email. If you're like me, you're just like sorting out like dozens, if not hundreds of like emails I never even asked for. It's like unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. But then you just layer on top of that text messaging, some you look forward to, some you don't. You know, there's social media that is just like, what? You know, it's just like all up in our face all the time. And then there's like television and gaming and streaming videos and just all the stuff. And it's just like info, 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 overload. Do you ever feel that way? Feels that way more and more. It was all the way back in our ancient history of 2006, okay, that IBM, right, IBM, this is like an information company, they came out with a paper called the Terrible Terabyte. No, the Toxic, the Toxic Terabyte. And in this, in 2006, listen to what they say. Go ahead and put, the, put their little quote up there. It says, it is projected that just four years from now, the world's information base will be doubling in size every 11 hours. Because of the flood of just all of the things that are being produced. You know, our, our smartphones, all the video and photography and everything happening within the medical field and just everything going digital, digital, digital. Every 11 hours that the information base in our world would be doubling. They predicted that back in 2006. Now, I don't know. I don't know if that like exact prediction came true in 2010. Maybe not quite. We're probably closer to it now than we were back then. But you know what? The, uh, data researchers tell us that every single day, two and a half million terabytes of information are created new every single day. Two and a half million terabytes of information are created new every day. And if you don't know what a terabyte is, it is a trillion bytes of information. We're just being like overloaded and overwhelmed at times with information. If you want to even go back further into ancient history, there's a guy named John Nesbitt, who is a, a kind of a profound thinker and author, and he wrote this all the way back in 1982. He said this, we are drowning in information, but starved for knowledge. Whew. That little prophetic voice right there. All the way back in 1982, man, a lot of you weren't even born yet. We are drowning in information, but we are starved for knowledge. I think this idea of knowledge and being starved for knowledge, this might have been on Peter's mind when he wrote the words that we've been studying over the past many weeks, where he says we're to add to our faith. 
We're to add to our faith. But this is what he says when it comes uh, to this idea of knowledge. He says in 2 Peter 1, 5, he says, make every effort to add to your faith. Everybody say, add to your faith. That's where this idea of an upgraded faith has come from. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and a goodness, knowledge. Second thing that he states there in this list, he gives seven things that he he says, add these things to your faith. We've been going through and talking about many of them. But as I've pondered and kind of gone through that list in my own soul. I wanted to come back to this because he's not talking about adding more information. Not spending time like on more social media, doing all that kind of stuff. No, he's talking about knowledge. And we're gonna get after this idea and kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive. What is he talking about? What is the kind of thing that makes knowledge knowledge? And not just more data points not just more information. What is he talking about when he says to add to your faith knowledge? Okay, but before we do that, I wanna remind us all, because some of you have been in and out of our series, maybe you haven't heard all of this, but I wanna remember, why is Peter saying add to your faith? Why, why are these things necessary to add to our faith? And he tells us just a few verses later, because it's in verse eight of 2 Peter 1 that he says this. For if you possess these qualities, okay, he's talking about goodness, talking about knowledge, talking about love, talking about the different things we've talked about, these, qual- these qualities, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your what? In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying this, he's saying, friends, I want to tell you, there are too many people who have a faith that is ineffective and unproductive. It isn't useful, right? And we don't have time for that. It is too urgent of a matter to have a faith that is ineffective or unproductive. So he says, this is why I'm telling you, add these things to your faith and to keep adding them to your faith. Continually increase. Continual upgrades to our faith. Keep growing. That's how we can have a faith that is useful and a faith that is fruitful, no matter what age you're at. You got kids in here today? Kids, how do you have a useful faith? Keep growing. Keep upgrading your faith daily. He's also saying this. If you flip it around and look at it in a kind of the negative He's saying, uh-oh, we're never going to have a useful faith if we remain ignorant about Jesus. See, it's that knowledge of Jesus that propels our faith forward. But man, you put that in reverse and you go, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a useless faith if I'm ignorant about Jesus and his ways. If I'm ignorant about the gospel, his good news, I don't want to be ignorant. Anybody came here today to grow in your ignorance? (laughs) Good. Me either. I want to be a learner along with you. Because woe to those Christians, those Christians, those who put their faith in Jesus, but then have stopped growing. 
stopped adding to their faith, stopped upgrading because, well, we bumped into some of those people. And their ignorance not only hurts them, but it kind of can become toxic because it spreads. That ignorance will just spread amongst those that they're closest to. Not helpful. And as Peter's saying, not useful. Listen, we could go lots of different places in scripture to talk about knowledge, to try to gain understanding. What was Peter talking about when he said to add knowledge to your faith? We could go lots of places because, man, all through the Old Testament and New Testament, over and over and over, over and over, we're we're, we're taught about knowledge and growing in knowledge. Like all the way back in Proverbs, we're taught that it's the fear of God that is the doorway to knowledge. The fear of God. We could start there. We could go all different places, but I want to take you to one thing, one scripture in Philippians chapter one, verses nine and 10. It's something that the apostle Paul wrote about this topic of knowledge to the church in Philippi, the city that he was ministering to. He had friends there. So he writes in this letter and right in verse nine and 10 of Philippians one, listen to these words. I think because they're powerful and I think they really get after what Peter was talking about when he says to add knowledge to your faith. Paul writes and says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives on the day of Christ's return. I'm gonna break this down in a minute and like talk about a few of those things that he's, he's emphasizing here because I think it's right at the heart of like what knowledge actually is in the way of faith. But let me give you kind of a working definition that's, that's based on this scripture, okay? I'm just taking some of these ideas and putting them into like a sentence here. You ready? Here we go. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Here's the kind of knowledge that Peter is talking about. Knowledge is a Faith-filled, life-transforming understanding of what really matters. Jesus and his word. Jesus and his word. So let me just break that down for you. Like what kind of knowledge is an upgraded knowledge? An upgrade to our faith. Number one, Knowledge that's an upgrade is faith-filled. See, remember, this is the kind of knowledge that we're adding to our faith. It's not separate from our faith. It's not like this knowledge, we know these things over here, but man, that's like removed from my faith and trust in Jesus. No, it's actually like this combination. We are we, we have this foundation of faith, then he says, then we're adding knowledge to it. Does that make sense? So it, this, this kind of knowledge is built on my faith and then becomes informed by my faith. So the kind of knowledge that's an upgrade to our faith, number one, it is faith-filled. Second thing that Paul's getting after here is that This kind of knowledge that's an upgrade is life transforming. 
It's life transforming. This kind of knowledge actually makes a difference in our lives. He said these words in that scripture. He said, I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live, so that you may live pure and blameless lives. Check this out. The knowledge that we're gaining is to actually transform our lives into something that is different, something that is good, something that is leading into this pure way that we're living that we used to live just in our brokenness and our mess. But he says, no, this type of knowledge is life transforming. So we're not talking about a kind of knowledge that's just like little religious pieces of information. You know, that's kind of cool. Now I know how many books are in the Bible, you know, but I don't know if that, does, does that make a difference in the way that I live? Yes, uh, hey, go ahead and memorize as much scripture and all the stuff about scripture. Very cool knowledge could be important at some place. But here's the big question. Is it life transforming? Does it actually make a difference day to day in how we live? That's the kind of knowledge. God, I want that kind of knowledge. Knowledge is gonna make a difference in my life. So first, it's, it's faith-filled. Second, is life-transforming. And here's the third thing, and I, I love this. I love the way this is worded here. The knowledge that's an upgrade is about what really matters. I love that he said that. I want you to understand what really matters. Again, we're not talking just about like religious data points. Only what truly matters. What truly matters, friends, is Jesus and the gospel, like his good news. That's what truly matters because not only does that transform our lives today, but it also has impact of even where we're going to spend eternity. I mean, so there's like eternal significance based on this kind of knowledge, but it also is going to transform my life right here and right now. Got it? It's faith-filled. It's life-transforming and it's what truly matters. That's the kind of knowledge that Peter's talking about. Say, hey, this is the kind of knowledge you need to upgrade your faith. So I want our message today to be highly practical. And it says, like, how do we get after this? If we're to like add knowledge to our faith, I want to just be practical, but we are going to be like looking at some scriptures and and taking them apart and and gaining this understanding from the word of God itself. So how can I upgrade my life to this life-transforming, faith-filled type of knowledge? I want to give you three things we want to unpack together. Number one, how to keep growing in knowledge is to continue growing in knowledge. Listen, the, the scripture we just read, in Philippians 1.9, Paul said, keep on growing in knowledge. He said, keep on doing this. What we're talking about, this kind of a life-transforming knowledge is not a one-and-done kind of knowledge. It's like, hey, you go to school when you're in elementary school, and it's like, once you learn that two plus two equals four, you're kind of like, okay, got that. It's like something that is now embedded into my mind. It's a one and done 
kind of knowledge. You don't have to like meditate on it. If I take two things and take two more things, I'm going to have four things. You know, and it's like, and then the next day you come back and say, what if I took two other things and added two different things to, I still have four things. And listen, if you're doing that, like a couple of years later, like your mind's still being blown, something's wrong. You're stuck, right? Right back at that really elementary kind of level of education. We don't need to meditate on it and keep learning new discoveries about two plus two equals four. No, it's a one and done, kind of like it's a fact. It's like, okay, now I've got that. Now I can move on to two plus three. That's a lot more complicated. (laughs) But when we're talking about this kind of knowledge, this is not a one and done kind of knowledge. That's why it needs to be continual. That's why Paul says, keep growing in these things. That's why Peter said, if you take these these qualities and continue growing in them, you're going to have a useful faith. It's because there needs to be this continuation of understanding. Listen, friends, when we talk about the glory of God that we just sang about moments ago, the glory of God, it's not like one day you got, check, I understand the glory of God now. Thank you so much. No. What about the holiness of God? What about your salvation that he literally came, went to the cross, that our sin, our brokenness would be washed away and that we could live in this restored new creation kind of a life? That a one and done? No. God, I need to lean into this more fully. This morning, I was so caught when we were singing the words about a supernatural love. Friends, for a lifetime, as long as I have breath, I want to be pressing in to that supernatural love that God has for me and for you, for our church, for our city, for our world, because I will never understand fully. I will never say, one and done, I got down God's love. It must be continual. We on the same page? How do I grow in my knowledge? Lord, how do I keep adding this? Keep growing, keep learning, keep discerning, keep going further. Come on. I love what Peter keeps writing. You go a few more verses and it's amazing as you, as you read through all of 2 Peter chapter one and then get into the beginning of, of chapter two, which we will in a second. He keeps layering in ideas about growing in knowledge and how that works. And, and so a few verses later, Peter says this, it in, starts in verse 12. And he says, so I will always do what? Remind you of these things. What things? Hey, our salvation in Jesus, about the gospel. He says, I'm gonna always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. In other words, he's saying, I'm not saying you, you, you've never come to any knowledge on these things. He's, he's not saying you don't know about Jesus. He's not even saying you haven't like put your trust in him, but he's saying, I'm gonna keep reminding you anyway. Yes. Why? Why does he do that? Well, he goes on. 
Because he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory. So you will always be able to remember these things. He's like, great, you know Jesus, but guess what? If you're not continually reminded and refreshed in these things, if these things are not continually growing in your mind, you could get to a place where it's just, it's not front and center in your thinking. And remember, this is what really matters. So we're gonna keep talking about things that really matter. It's like, Pastor, I come to church all the time and you're always talking about Jesus. <laughs> you're always talking about his promises. You're talking about like the cross and salvation and how we can live free and that God has a plan for my life. Yes! <laughs> because I'm standing here with these guys, with Peter and Paul and saying, I'm gonna keep at it. I'm gonna keep at it as long as I have breath. I'm gonna keep reminding myself and all of us together of what really matters. One of the ways that, and you, you learn this in education, but one of the ways that things can go from our short-term memory to our long-term memory, it's the most powerful tool that there is. Do, do you know what it is? How, how do you get things from short-term memory to our long-term memory? Repetition. Repetition. It's why parents have to tell their children over and over and over. Because they heard it once. It was in their short-term memory. But you know how you get it into their long-term memory? Keep telling them. Don't give up. Don't get tired of it. Right? To go from our short-term to our long-term memory. And so what Peter's saying here is, no, you really need to remember these things. So I'm going to keep repeating them to you. Friends, it's why we gather for worship and the word every single week. Yeah. Not, not because I like to hear my own voice. Okay? No, it's because we all come to say, I want to be reminded of what's important. Tell me again the story of Jesus. Tell me again the story of the gospel. Tell me again that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell me how I can have hope in discouraging times. Tell me again and again and again. May we never grow weary of growing in the knowledge of Jesus together. And it's also why we read the Bible over and over again. Many of you know that at the beginning of, of uh, 2022, we started something as a church called SM4 260. And it's this kind of unusual Bible reading plan because it, it's like just focused on the New Testament. And it's called 260 because there's 260 chapters in the New Testament. Never changes, it's 260. Same as the amount of weekdays that are in every single year. Every year. 52 weeks, Monday through Friday, you do the math, 260. So you know what we do? We take 260 days each year to read through the 260 chapters in the New Testament. And we've provided this like handy little thing. You can check the boxes. But you know what? There's a few of us that are working on a 260 journal for 2023. 
that we're hoping to like release you know, to the congregation to help us as we are growing in our knowledge of the word. And friends, I'm just going to tell you, I hope this doesn't disappoint you. As long as I'm the pastor here, we're going to be doing 260. It's like, well, pastor, are you trying to keep us out of the Old Testament? No, read the Old Testament. You got every weekend to read the Old Testament. Or you can like (laughs) read the Old Testament and then do 260. I don't care. Read the word, grow in knowledge. But you know where the New Testament is where we find Jesus, is where we find the gospel, and it's where we find the instructions for how do we live as people, Jesus people, gospel people. How do we do that? That's in the New Testament. So this is my commitment to us as a church family. Continue. It's the number one thing that we can do to upgrade our faith. Here's the second thing. Not only do we want to continue in it, But second is to grow in knowledge from trusted sources. Trusted sources. There's a lot of sources out there in the world. There's many different voices that we could learn from. Make sure that we're growing in knowledge from trusted sources. So Peter, after he just says, I'm going to keep reminding you, right? so that you don't forget. Then you just get down a few verses later to verse 16 of 2 Peter 1, and he says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you, like when we brought you knowledge and instruction when in our conversations. I wasn't like making up stuff. We weren't following cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Whoo. You know what Peter is doing here is he is claiming authority to be someone who is a trusted source. Like you don't have to wonder, Peter is saying, when you come to me and we're having these conversations or I'm writing you letters, you don't have to wonder if I'm a trusted source because I am not making this stuff up. These aren't like manipulative little stories to pull on your heartstrings and make you feel a certain way. No, I was there. I'm an eyewitness of these facts. So when I talk to you about Jesus, it's because I walked with Jesus. I ate with Jesus. I ran to the tomb that Jesus was no longer in. Let me tell you about it. Then let me tell you about how he showed up in the room when we had the door locked and there's Jesus. Let me tell you about the time that I was at the seashore a little while after that because I thought I might go back to fishing. And Jesus shows up, cooked me breakfast, had a conversation. I'm an eyewitness of these things. When I talk about the power of God and that he showed up like in power in our world, you can take, take it to the bank. Trusted source. But then he goes on after he like kind of creates some viability for his own authority. Then he goes on and says this. In 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, he says this. He says, we also have, so he says, I'm a trusted source, but then he says, we also have the prophetic message as something, what does he say? Say it out loud with me. Completely reliable. And you will do well 
to pay attention to it. In other words, you can take it to the bank as well as you would grow in knowledge, this prophetic message. He goes on, he says, above all, you must understand, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So they weren't like these prophets were out there looking at the world and say, well, I think, you know, that this hill kind of represents something or I had a dream and you know what? I like dreams and I think that this dream meant this or that. No, he's saying that's not the way prophecy from scripture came to us. He says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So friends, not only was Peter claiming spiritual authority, he's saying when you open the scriptures, when you open the word of God, when you're doing to the 260 and and you're reading what Jesus spoke and then all of those who were his followers that were encouraging people to continue growing in their knowledge of Jesus and his word. He's saying he could take it to the bank. He says these things are completely reliable. Completely reliable. But then he goes on further and he says, but there's other voices that are not reliable. It's like, oh, Peter goes there. Because he says, you can trust me. And he says, you can trust the scriptures. But then he goes on, because like we know, there are many voices and not all of them are to be trusted. So he goes on at the very beginning of the next chapter, chapter two of Second Peter, and it opens this way, where he says, but there were also false prophets among the people. And then there's this hardcore line he throws in there. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Listen, he's writing to a church here. He's writing to believers. And he's warning them to be on their guard for who they trust as the source for their knowledge about Jesus and the gospel. He's warning them. Do not listen to every voice you hear. They're not all equal. They are not all equal. Then he, Because then he goes on and kind of unpacks this, this whole false teacher, false prophet type voice. He says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. They do it secretly. In other words, they kind of, maybe they give it some truth, but then they slip in these lies, these perversions of the truth, so it's only a half truth. So no longer does two plus two equal four. Two plus two equals something different. It like sounds like maybe plausible, but it's not. But they're doing it secretly. Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. This is harsh. Many will follow. Uh Uh-oh. Why do we need to be so on guard about the sources that we go to for our knowledge? Because Peter is saying many will follow these voices. 
We better, you know, check yourself. I don't want to be one of those many who follow after their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Heresies. Secretly kind of weaving in here. What's a heresy? Listen, in, in scripture, there are some things that we read about, like some people, good people, that love Jesus, are gonna read things a little differently. There are some things in scripture, and we could talk about them some point. Maybe we could do a series on them. But like, hey, why do some people see this in the Bible one way and some people see it another way? I, I, you can even go back. I did a message uh, a few months ago called Gray Areas. And it kind of got into some, how do we approach things that are gray areas that I'm not quite certain about? And there's some patterns, I think, that scripture teaches us how we can do that. But that's not heresy. Heresy is actually taking the truth and twisting it to make it fit another agenda. It's, it's like toxic truth that's not truth at all because it's been twisted and perverted. It's when God's word clearly tells us something, but then someone else says, but let me tell you a different approach to that on things that are clear that God's word speaks. That's what heresy is. Perverting things that are clearly true about Jesus and the gospel. Then he says that people are gonna follow them into depraved conduct. If you read some other translations, it's really talking about Immorality. He's talking about sexual things. He's talking about like these people's lives, there's something wrong in their story. And if you look carefully, you're going to spot it and say, I'm not going to follow after that. I'm not going to follow after that. Because there's something that's broken in their lives. They're, they're chasing after things that are not healthy. So Peter's saying, don't trust what they're teaching. Don't base your knowledge off of heresies and people that are like leading you into wrong things. Because ultimately, he says, they will bring the truth into disrepute. And I'm telling you, that's pretty horrific. Into disrepute, that's not a word I use all the time. Well, reputation is a word we use regularly. What's your reputation? That's what disrepute is. It means like it messed up your reputation. There are people who, by the way they live, will bring Jesus and the message of his gospel into disrepute. They will cause people to feel that it's less reliable, less hope-filled, less transformational. This is be very, very careful. So keep growing in knowledge from sources that you can trust. But here's number three. And this is the quickest of the three. Put your knowledge into practice. How do we upgrade our faith with knowledge? Man, keep growing in it. Keep learning. Keep leaning in and pressing in. God, I want to know more today than I did yesterday. But I want to learn, God, from trusted sources, voices that... that don't represent those things we just read about. 
I want to learn from scripture and I want to learn from people who are pressing into, they may not have a perfect life, but they're not like leading me astray and bringing disrepute on Jesus and the gospel. I want to grow from trusted sources. But then, man, we've got to hit on this because not only is it shared several different ways in scripture, this is something Jesus talked about himself. Put what you're learning, put your knowledge into action. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 9. He says this. He says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I love that he ties that into a reward, right? It's the very same things we're doing. Man, I know that I have the presence of God with me when I'm continuing to practice these things. Practice, put your knowledge into action. Now some might say, you know what, I probably, one of those people, I think I probably already have enough knowledge. I think probably what I need to do is pay attention to this. I just need to be more obedient to what I know. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received. For me, Paul writes. So do I need more knowledge or do I need more obedience? Yes. <laughs> right? It's, it's not either or, it's both and. It's both and. We need to do both. There are things you've learned from me, now keep on putting them into practice. Listen, you've heard me say this before, and it's so essential to our discipleship, to our growth as people of, of Jesus. Check this out. You cannot grow in what you do not know. You know, we talk about discipleship in the terms of discovery, development, and deployment. Those three Ds, discovery, development, and deployment. This third point about putting our knowledge into action really speaks to that bridge between, between our discovery, which is growing in knowledge, continually making new discoveries, keep growing in my knowledge of Jesus and his word. But then I've got to develop in that. You can't skip to development without the discovery. And you'll never get to deployment where you're actually activating it, going and doing the things that God tells us about and the things we see in God's word. Laying hands on the sick and them recovering. Witnessing, going and being an effective witness like at school or at work or in your neighborhood. Those things never happen. The deployment does not happen unless we first start with discovery. But you will never grow in what you do not know. But once we do know, we gotta turn that knowledge into faith-filled action. We take our faith-filled knowledge and turn it into faith-filled action. It's like what Jesus said when he, when he was talking about people who hear his word but then never activate it. He said, you know what those people are like? Those people who hear my word but they don't put it into practice? He said, they're people like to build their home a metaphor for their life. They build their life on sand. Storms are gonna come, people. That's what he says. And those people who hear my word but don't do it, what happens? 
their life gets knocked over, falls apart. It's like the ground is just eroded right from under. But then he says this. He says, but you know what people are like who hear my word and do it? Take the knowledge and put it into practice. They're like people who dug down deep to get to the rock. And they built their lives on that rock. Storms still come. Doesn't prevent the storms from coming. But you know what it does? Man, it creates this firm foundation so that when the storms come, that no matter how big those storms are, I'm gonna stand strong in you, Jesus. Yeah. I'm st- but it does not, we don't get to that. We don't, it's the digging down deep to get to the rock part that is putting it into practice. I know some things now, so now I'm gonna grow in those things. I'm gonna take my knowledge and put it into action. And that's that digging down deep, Lord, I'm getting down to the rock. Because I don't want my house, the house of my life, to be built on something that is shaky ground. We need to upgrade our faith. Not only with goodness and self-control and perseverance, not only with love. Listen, we need to upgrade our faith with knowledge so that we can be people who have a useful faith. Let's be useful. Let's be useful in our homes. Let's be useful in our church. Let's be useful at work, at school. Let's be useful for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, your word does tell us in... Proverbs 1 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. God, which does not mean being terrified by you, it means coming into that right realization of who you truly are. It's like really seeing you clearly. So it's like, oh my God. Not only are you the God of the universe, the Lord of lords above all things, and God, not only do you know me intimately, but God, you love me fully. Amen, when we have that revelation, when we come to that knowledge, we develop a very healthy fear of the Lord. And that's the beginning of true knowledge. There may be some here that maybe you've been afraid of God. Like, man, if I put my trust in him, he is going to mess everything up. He is going to just take my plans, topple them over, make me do things that I don't wanna do. Listen, that is not God's heart. He does have a plan for you, but his plan for you is good. His plan for you is wholeness from brokenness. For forgiveness, not carrying brokenness and sin into your future. So friends, fear God. Come to a realization of who he truly is. So you will live for him and continue to grow in him.
And today, if there's anyone that's here that says, Pastor, God, I, I, just, I just want to come to know him that way. I wanna say yes to Jesus and no to all the other things I've been building my life upon. I have been building my life upon the sand of my circumstances, of my old past broken knowledge, but I want to build my life on Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need his restoration in my story. If that's you today, then do not wait one moment longer, but allow him to draw you to himself. If that's you today, would you just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to his invitation, to relationship. Come and get to know him. Come into his presence. Come and be transformed by his love. Anybody today, just raise your hand and just kind of glance up at me and signal and say, Pastor, that's what I need in my own story, in my own life. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Anyone today? Yeah, yep, yep. Anybody else just say, today's my day. Today's my day. Yeah, bro, I say, I stand in agreement with you. Today, your story begins all new and fresh. I'm excited for you. (laughs) God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, God, we don't have to remain ignorant about you, your plans, your purposes for our lives. So we press into you. May we grow in knowledge of who you are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, um, as a reminder, uh, church family, we're gathering right in this room um, each week um, at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, Wednesday nights. And we're doing it for one reason, uh, and that's to pray together. God has things for our church and for us personally that like we need to lay hold of them, right? We need to get after them. And this is one of the significant ways that we're doing that as a church family through this season. And uh, more on this in the weeks to come, but we're doing this right up to the night before Thanksgiving. And I've got some cool ideas about what we're gonna do together um, is an expanded prayer time and a, a time of, a fellowship also together that night before Thanksgiving. And uh, so, but man, come and join us. 6 p.m., Wednesday nights, would love to have you here as we pray together. Church, you are loved. I'll see you next Sunday and Wednesday. Have a great week.